Welcome to the Men of Iron podcast, equipping men for their mentorship journey. The purpose of the podcast is to provide you with discussion and practical advice to help you grow in your faith, family, friends, fitness, and finances. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Men of Iron podcast. We are recording live today from several undisclosed locations. I'm joined here with my brothers and Men of Iron teammates, Garrett Barbush and Justin Watkins. What's up, boys? Not much, Stevie. I'm going, I guess I'll, I'll lead first here. We're doing this uh, Zoom meeting with everything going on with this crazy coronavirus. So, um, yeah. yeah, man, spent the weekend in the mountains uh, practicing social distancing, which was good. And um, <laughs> just back at it here on Monday morning. So thanks for having me on, J-Dub. Yeah, we're uh, we're surviving all right. We didn't go to the mountains like like G did, but we um, had a lot of family time. <clears throat> I think a lot of people are having a lot of family time these days, but uh, we're here. We're doing well. Yeah, it's good to have you guys. As uh, as you can tell, uh, just from our intro, we are not at Supply today. We are recording remotely via Zoom. So shout out to Zoom. Uh, just for this opportunity to still record the podcast and uh, get together and, and just talk about things that are going to help mentorships and help guys um, just continue to, yeah, just grow in their, in their faith and, and grow in their mentorship uh, with their mentor protege. So we're excited for today, guys. Let's start with uh, celebrate the wins. Gee, what do you got for us? Yeah, the win for me was, uh, so every year, uh, me and a group of buddies go out to the National Wrestling Championships, uh, and this year was slated to be in Minneapolis, but with everything going on, uh, obviously the National Wrestling Tournament got canceled, uh, but we all agreed that, hey, we had these days blocked out to, um, you know, be together, and we should go somewhere where we don't have to worry about, you know, being in a group of people. So uh, we decided to go up to the mountains, uh, a couple of us, just a handful of us. Everyone was healthy. Everyone's good. Uh, but spent the last five days uh, up there uh, with no real agenda. So uh, we got to re- relax and rest a bit and, and got to do some work uh, on the land where we hunt and got to go on some hikes. Uh, got to eat some good food and have good conversation played up and down the river pretty much every night, the card game. So it was, uh, it was a good time away and came back very rested and re-energized. Love it, man. Did you guys check temps before you walked into the cabin when you got up there? Yeah, we, we did check, check the temps every day, made sure nobody was, uh, you know, having any symptoms, but it was good, man. It was, it was a really good time away. I, I always come back. I feel like I come back a better husband, a better father when, when I, get away with, um, you know, um, guys that just sharpen me and make me better. So it was definitely, uh, worth the couple days away. Love it, man. What about you, J-Dub? Oh, for one, I want to note that I'm impressed, G, that you played card games a lot. Uh, Garrett is not quite as fond of board and card games as, as some of us on the team. So I'm impressed by that. It's working on your heart. I can tell. Exactly. Right. I, 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 I always, I've said this from day one, J dub. I like games. I don't like the strategy, the ones where I got to think. And it's just like up and down the river is more like you have to fake it, which I'm really good at. So I like it. Uh, good for you. Um, I think, uh, well, I've got, Let's see. I'll, I'll use uh, this win. I think, you know, everyone's uh, adjusting to life at home differently. And 
uh, it's been a challenge. Um, you know, my wife and she wouldn't mind me saying this on the podcast, but, uh, working to keep care of the house and the kids, like it's a challenge for her on a non coronavirus lockdown kind of context. Uh, and so having the kids home and we were having our fourth child this week. So like, there's just, a, it's just like a bad, it's a, it's not a great timing for all this stuff. Um, but she has been doing so well. Uh, she put together this and it's, it's out there, a lot of different Facebook memes and, and resources, but like having a, a, a schedule for each day, um, it has been really cool to see how the kids responded every day this past week. Uh, our middle daughter, especially like really responds well to structure. Um, and so when we like went off of it for the weekend, she was like, what, what, <laughs> we're not doing the schedule. Like what's going on? Uh, but it just requires that, that Jenna especially has been really hands-on. Like there's a learning time and there's a creative time and there's a let's get moving time and everything is, is very hands-on. So it's not just only the structure that's been helpful, but just seeing my wife really do well in an area that she normally does not feel very equipped and, um, and good in uh, has been a huge win for, for our family. Love it, guys. Yeah, just just along those lines for me, as far as celebrating the wins, it's just kind of, yeah, that, you know, we've, we've all been forced to stop and slow down and, and spend some unintentional, intentional time together as a family. And um, yeah, I think when you look at it, you know, off the top, we kind of, you know, we get stressed out and freaked out when we get knocked off our routine and comfort zone and um, even just the, the unknown of something like the coronavirus. But I mean, just think about, I mean, when have you ever in the last you know years been able to have this kind of uh, <clears throat> unscheduled time together as a family where you're basically <laughs> forced to to be together and, and hang out and slow down and uh, you know we always talk about how busy we are um, you know with jobs and careers and hobbies and families and uh, now we don't really have an excuse not to to slow down so I think that's a huge win it's just getting that extra time um, with family over the past few days. And um, yeah, it's just been really good. Uh, that, that forced time together uh, has been, has been refreshing for sure. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, guys, I love it. Uh, just, just hearing a little bit about what's going on with you guys during all of this and um, yeah, just praying for each of your families and uh, praying for our organization and for our advocates and, and uh, our communities um, just during this time. I know it's going to, it's going to make us stronger uh, uh, as believers and uh, stronger as an organization and stronger as a community um, just going through all this. So I'm excited to see kind of the fruits of, of all this as we hopefully get through this here in the next <laughs> couple weeks and months. We'll see how long it goes. But as we dive into today's podcast, episode 50, we're talking about mentorship and multiplication. Um, so yeah, this is a this is an awesome podcast. Um, it's kind of obviously the heart of what we do as believers, obviously as an organization for Men of Iron. Uh, you know, we're called as Christ followers to live as Christ lived. Um, so J Dub, I'll just kick it to you: is why mentor, why multiply? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like you said, like this this is the call of our lives. I mean, this is what we're called to to be and do. Uh, you know, I think just simply put, Jesus didn't call us to himself just to call us to himself because, you know, you may have heard this before, you know, the, the idea of like, well, why doesn't God, you know, when we, when we come to know him, why doesn't he just take us to heaven? You know, why doesn't just 
we know him, we made it, we checked it off and we're up in heaven. Like that would make, if that, if the point of this life was simply to um, have this salvation card checked off, that's how it would operate. You know what I mean? And, and yet he, he leaves us on this, on this earth for a purpose and for a mission. And, and there's something beautiful about cultivating that kind of relationship with him in the midst of mission with him. And that mission is to connect others to his love and his truth. Um, I, I was reading, um, there's a good resource, Multiply, uh, by David Platt and Francis Chan. Um, <clears throat> Multiply, Disciples Making Disciples. And I just want to read this quick um, passage from it. We expect our church leaders to create some sort of disciple maker campaign when we sign up, commit to participating for a few months, and then get to cross the Great Commission off our list. But making disciples is far more than a program. It is the mission of our lives. It defines us. A disciple is a disciple maker. Uh, and kind of the premise of what they would say and what we would say is being a disciple of Jesus means that we make disciples as well, because that's what Jesus did. He was constantly multiplying himself in others around him. Uh, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's, I, I would just kind of chime in there as far as, you know, I, I think my, I think it's a really simple answer, right? Like, why should we mentor? Why should we sh- strive to multiply? Um, it, it's really clear, like, it's a command in Scripture, um, right? Like, we, we see that played out, and I'm sure we're going to get into that here in a little bit. But um, we're also called to emulate our lives uh, after Christ and to model our lives um, after him. And, and you look at what he did, you can see it play out in Scripture. Um, he literally comes face to face with people and he t- uses that, uses those relationships to um, number one, there's, there's this, there's sort of this draw from Jesus. Like he's, he's attracted to these people. He uh, not for his own benefit, but for the benefit of his father. Right. Um, and so he's attracted to these people. He, he, he comes with them. He extends an invitation to them. We, we see this like, I always talk about this, like Jesus's theory of change is this concept of Jesus coming to people, giving them an invitation to say, hey, follow me. Um, he then, from that invitation, and it's pretty black and white. It's like, listen, you're either in or you're out. Um, and then there's this willingness of Jesus to uh, teach them. And so that's, I think that's what we have to do as mentors. Like we have to be willing to, to teach others. Um, and then there's more than just teaching. There's like this investment side of it, right? It's like, I'm actually going to invest my life and be willing to invite you into my journey. It's more than just showing up and saying a lot of words and saying, Hey, this is how you do it. It's, Hey, watch how I do this. Uh, so there's, there's an invitation, there's a teaching, there's a, uh, there's a willingness to invest, but then Jesus does something where I think we drop the ball a lot of times as mentors. Um, he actually will look to, there's this moment where he actually looks to kind of, take people into the forefront of leadership where he actually says, Hey, now I'm releasing you to go do this. And so why should we mentor? Why should we multiply? Well, because Jesus plays it out very clearly in scripture. And so that's, that's really my, the tug at my heart is I kind of going back to what Justin said earlier about the church and and trust me, I love the local church, but I think we as Christians, we've become consumers in the sense that we're just kind of waiting for our church to put together this campaign where, we go do this. Um, now, on the flip side of that is churches really, I've found, at least from my experience here with Men of Iron, just 
they really want to kind of control what that looks like uh, rather than allowing people to just make an invitation to others, uh, use their life and their experiences to, to play that out. Um, now, tying that into manhood, and this is just where I, I will end here as far as this first question, why would you be mentoring and why wouldn't you be multiplying is like, as a man, I lose focus very quickly. Um, the world comes in and grabs my attention. Um, it's, it's like the dog, right? With squirrels and squirrel. That's how, that's kind of how I am. I, I lose focus and lose my, lose attention. So I think mentoring or being, having a mentor in my life is critical because a mentor helps me look at somebody that is doing things the way that I would like to do it or leading things the way that I would like to lead. Uh, and I think that's why the disciples were so drawn to Jesus is because he was living just this different lifestyle that they were drawn to. And that's what mentors do. They, they live a lifestyle that we're drawn to. Um, they've got something that we don't have, or they've got wisdom and expertise in an area where we don't have it. And we have to have that accountability. And, and that's why we need to be mentoring. That's why we need to be mentored. And that's why we need to be striving to multiply our efforts. Yeah, it's so good, G. Um, <clears throat> obviously, as we dive into God's word, um, and we're talking about mentoring and multiplication, we all we all know the you know the infamous Great Commission, um, Jesus telling his disciples to go and, and make disciples. Um, you look in, in Matthew 4 as well, when Jesus, you know, is first uh, coming into contact with his soon-to-be disciples, and some of his first words to these guys, or first commands to these guys are, are uh, <clears throat> I will make you fishers of men. So he's, you know, he's telling them right off the bat, you know, I'm, I'm not just going to pour into you and it's going to stop there. I'm going to pour into you and you guys are going to go do the same, pour into guys and, and, uh, <clears throat> and people after me. Um, so what else do you guys see as just great examples in scripture of uh, just this idea of, of multiplication? Uh, well, one of the things I, I like, um, again, we see, like you said, like w w Jesus calls these guys out, pours his life into 12 men to send them out. And, you know, G already mentioned, like, I think it's Luke 10, where he sends, he actually sends out 72 of those that have been following him to go and do what he's done. And then they kind of come back and they, they talk through like how to go, like, was it, what, what was it like? Uh, and then he, so that I, even just that practical application of as a mentor, Jesus sends them out and gives them work to do and then evaluates it with them, uh, you know, comes back in, how did it go? Okay, let's, let's, let's tweak this, let's go back out, right? Um, but, you know, obviously the Gospels are all about what Jesus did and his life and his mission on earth. And I love, like, I, I might have even shared this on another podcast, but one of my favorite small details of, of the New Testament is Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Um, if you, as you know, Luke writes the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And, and really it's, it's one, it's one big book. It's, it's meant to be read as a big book. It's just so long. It had to be split up. Uh, and, and so there's this transition verse from the end of Luke, the end of Jesus's life and Acts, which starts the beginning of the church. And he writes in my former book, I wrote all about that Jesus began to do and teach. And, and, and I think it's really significant because he's, it, the implication is there, okay, you read all about what Jesus began to do and teach. Acts is all about what he continues to do and teach, but this time he's doing it through his church. And, and so this transition of, 
hey, this is what Jesus did. We're going to continue to do it, uh, but it's going to be through the, through the church this time. Uh, and so the idea of continuing to pass along God's heart for discipleship and relationship uh, is just, I, I love that verse because it, it speaks so, so much to that. Um, the other verse that I think comes to mind in the example with Paul and Timothy, and we'll talk about them uh, on the other side of the break later, but I just love in his one, in his one letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, uh, verse 2, he says, And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust those things to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach other men. Like this idea of, Timothy, you've heard me tell you all about Jesus and what it looks like to walk with him. Now go and entrust that to other men who will also go and teach other men to do the same. Like it's this, this multiplication process. It's not just about one person and that, that's where it stops. It goes on and it's multiplied to others. Pastor J-Dub bringing the heat, man. Yeah, bringing the fire. Bringing the fire, J-Dub. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, you know, the, the scripture is full of it. And, and we can sit here and, and, and tell account after account where mentoring and discipleship and multiplication is, is transpiring. But I think I want to focus on just briefly like the significance, because we're men of iron, the significance of the one-to-one and, and the microgroup setting is because I think a lot of people have said in their mind, like, oh, well, hey, I go to church on Sunday, I'm being discipled, you know, when I sit and, and I, I listen to the sermon. Um, or you know what, like I, I lead a Sunday school class and I'm discipling that way. And, and no doubt about it, there is a component and there's different forms and settings of mentorship and discipleship. But actually, when you, when you look at the facts, <laughs> when you look at the science behind it, and, and I only know this because of reading a fantastic book by Greg Ogden um, called Transforming Discipleship. But, but the whole book was this pastor that uh, basically kept track of multiplication and transformation in people's lives in four different settings. Uh, he was a pastor, so he looked at from the large group gathering on a Sunday down to small group level of 10 to 12 people to a micro group, which would be like one mentor to two or, or three protégés and then uh, one-to-one. And when you look at it, micro groups and one-to-one um, through his doctoral thesis basically had the most amount of transformation in a, in a person's life and the most multiplication, meaning that these people that were being discipled made a decision to say, I need to go on and lead this with somebody else. Right. Uh, I need to go mentor somebody. I need to go disciple somebody. So I look at, you know, the scriptures full of these accounts where this happens. And I think that mentorship and multiplication can happen in different settings. But I believe why we're so passionate about the one-to-one and microgroup setting here at Men of Iron is simply because the proof is in the pudding. Um, and I think that's where we have to be willing to say, yeah, part of my duty as a believer is to be part of the body of the church, right? And and to serve my role there and, and to be part of a community and to do those things. Me personally, I feel like God's personally called me to, you know, go this extra step further and to say, listen, I'm going to one-on-one, I'm going to mentor somebody or in a microgroup setting, I'm going to disciple these two men. Um, because those are the times that I can pour all of myself and, and I can meet these people face-to-face. I can meet them where they're at. Um, and it's not happening from, from a stage. It's not happening sitting up front, you know, with a, with a, uh, what's the thing I'm looking at? What do you teach from the podium, right? Like 
I am here watching you face to face. We're having coffee together and we're not just talking about the scriptures, but we're encouraging one another to do what it says, actually do what it says. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm just so fired up and passionate this morning, Steve. So don't judge me. I couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> You've also been up since five. So you probably have like, you know, fifth cup of coffee right now. <laughs> well, it, <clears throat> the reality of it, G, is um, a, a strong majority of men in the church don't have that same passion or fire um, for mentorship and multiplication. Uh, we know the stat that we often talk about is less than 1% of church-going men in the U.S. participate in a discipleship program, and that's from the Christian Business Men's Connection. So if you think about that stat of guys, less than 1% actually in a discipleship program, I mean, think of the number that of guys that are actually out there uh, making disciples. It's going to be a, a very, very, very low number. Um, but we will kind of dive in a little bit more of that on the other side of the break. Um, so yeah, we're just going to hear a quick sponsor, a uh, quick ad from our sponsor and talk to you guys on the other side. Hey guys, we'd like to take a minute to give a huge shout out to our sponsors today, Brookside Brothers. Brookside Brothers are a full service residential remodeler serving the Lancaster PA area since 1999. Willing to work in any type of room or outdoor space at your home, they've tackled many jobs big and small and will work with you through the entire process to ensure you get the exact space that you've been dreaming of. Check them out on Instagram at brookside.brothers to see some of their amazing work. These guys are phenomenal. You can go to brooksidebrothers.com for your next home project. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Taylor Dooley of Brothers of Merit from Hampstead, Maryland, and this is your Mentor Minute. This week, we're talking about making disciples and multiplying those disciples, right? Teaching people how to lead what you teach them and then carry that on to a next generation then after that. It says in Proverbs, a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Right? That's not just something that lasts long enough to go that long. It's teaching your children how to then teach their children. Right. So practically what that looks like, I think it's three things. One, it's intentionality. You need to pick somebody who you think is A, going to be willing to do that, and then B, who is capable to lead and follow um, what you're doing and then and carry that on. It's not just going to happen by accident. Um, Two, you need to make sure that you're holding each other accountable, that accountability is a big part of that. And you need to be willing as somebody who is going into that discipleship to have accountability go both ways. And then three, I'd say it's leading by serving and by modeling what it looks like to serve first and then look for yourself and modeling that so then that gets transferred down um, the line. That was longer than 60 seconds, but see ya. We are back on the Men of Iron podcast. I'm with Garrett and J-Dub. We are talking about mentorship and multiplication. Um, guys, as we said, kind of on the uh, other side of the break, just talking about um, just this idea of mentorship and multiplication and why it is is so vital for us as men, for us as Christ followers to be doing it. Because like we said, it's, it's what Jesus did. Uh, it's what he commanded us to do. Um, we, were, we were diving into scripture and talking about um, just kind of Jesus and his disciples and how he poured into the lives of these men and he sent them out uh, to do the same. And one of the, one of the most uh, amazing examples of, you know, mentor protege relationship I look at in the Bible is with Jesus and Peter. And you look at, you know, he poured into the life of Peter, uh, you know, for three years of his ministry. 
And we all know the story of, of Peter denying Christ um, <clears throat> you know, at his death. And you look on the flip side of this as we get into the book of Acts and just the man that Peter becomes uh, as he you know, is the guy in the forefront of the movement of the early church. And, and just it's pretty remarkable to see how you know, Jesus poured into this, into this man and, and to see what he did. And, and you look at his, you know, one of the first stories in Acts, he's speaking to this large crowd in Jerusalem. And I think it was something like, you know, two or 3,000 people came uh, to know Christ that day. I mean, just what a remarkable um, transformation in the life of Peter. And it just kind of is a testament to, to those uh, intentional times that Jesus had with him. Um, so I'd love to hear from you guys just some other, you know, examples of of strong mentor relationships that you've seen in Scripture. Yeah, you, you know, Steve, I, I love the fact that you chose Peter. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, I know we binge watched it like crazy, but the new network series that came out, The Chosen, um, that I thought the way that Peter was portrayed in there was just remarkable because that's exactly kind of I read these accounts in Scripture and I'm like, that's Peter. You know, it's like this this ragtag blue collar kind of guy that um, kind of walks the line a little bit, right? Like walks that edge of uh, ethical, unethical kind of, you know, and then he comes across with Jesus. But when he meets Jesus, he's just like, you know, he's all in, he's all in. And it doesn't mean that he, you know, obviously he denies Jesus. He, we know that, but like, he's all in, he's sold all out for, for Jesus. And, and I've always just kind of read through scripture and thought, man, that's gotta be how, Peter is. Um, but there's a couple of things I think that play out in that relationship that I think we as men sometimes forget about, um, particularly in the church. Um, like if you look at first off the very foundation of that relationship, Jesus, we, we know that Peter and Andrew are kind of more than likely have seen Jesus from a distance and maybe even heard of this guy. And, you know, they've seen him kind of maybe even perform perform a miracle or two. We, we don't know the whole story, but we have to assume that when Jesus does come up to them that day and says, Hey, you know, follow me, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There's something about Jesus that they've seen or they've heard that draws them in, right? That's, that's why they accept this invitation. Otherwise we would, you know, people always want to say, well, how they just accepted the offer. They accepted the invitation. Well, they knew something. They, they, they were watching Jesus. There was something about Jesus that drew them in. So you look at the initial invitation from Jesus, it's very black and white. And, and I think we as Christian men, particularly mentor in the mentor role, um, Jesus makes an invitation. And I think that that is so crucial to us as Christian men is we have to be willing to make an invitation to another man to say, hey, listen, I see something in you that I really like. Doesn't mean that you have it all together but I'd, I'd be willing to invest a year of my life or two years of my life into you. And I don't know why, but when we've made this shift as an organization, we've seen a huge, well, I don't want to say a huge, but we've seen a decline in the number of mentors from last year to this year because we've changed our model. We've said, hey, we really want our mentors to invite their own protege. Um, and I know we've had other podcasts about this in the past, but you, we did that because you look at Jesus and what he did with Peter. Um, the other thing that I think that is, sticks out to me about this relationship with Peter and, and Jesus is that, man, Jesus is just full of uh, challenge. Like he's constantly challenging Peter to do things that are going to make him uncomfortable. And I think that's what we have to remember as mentors uh, and, and particularly as men is that I believe a majority of proteges 
walking around, maybe they're in their 20s, 30s, maybe even in their 40s, like men in general, we want to be challenged. Like there's a deep passion in us to be challenged and to have that challenge come from somebody so that we can really answer the call that God has for each of our lives. And I think we just have to, that's the hard thing about being a mentor is kind of having that thick skin and having the courage to really push buttons on our protégés or maybe even ask the questions or just honestly, a lot of times it's just presenting a hundred percent truth and honesty to them. Like, I think if we're willing to do those things, um, man, it, we're going to model what Jesus did. We've got to make an invitation and then we've got to look to invest. We've got to look to love, right? Those things we know that, but I think the things we forget about is make the invitation and then challenge, look for ways to make that protege uncomfortable for the sake of the kingdom and for the benefit of the father. So, um, Sorry, I'm getting all fired up again. I need to back off and maybe take less, drink one less cup of coffee this morning. Yeah, uh, that's really good. Um, the other, I think the other mentorship relationship we often refer to and, and see is in, in, New, in the New Testament of Paul choosing Timothy. Uh, and same thing, you know, we see him choosing Timothy um, when he's visiting his town. Uh, it's in Acts chapter 16 and see something in Timothy uh, and he, it says that he, he wanted to take him on the journey. Uh, and so right there, he, he, he invites Timothy and, and we know you can follow it throughout the rest of the book. Timothy follows along and, and is part of what Paul is doing and sharing in, in the ministry and sharing in so much of the, the cool, you know, the cool things that we see often Timothy is alongside Paul uh, being built into and invested in um, by Paul. And, and then you, I think what's really neat about the Paul and Timothy relationship is that we can see it, um, you know, kind of post-graduation, right? Like Paul uh, sends Timothy to go and establish his own churches. And we have a couple of letters of Paul continuing that mentorship relationship, even as they're really separated. Uh, and, and it's just really neat. We don't have Timothy's letters to Paul, but you can almost rewrite them based on what Paul is writing to Timothy you know, and, and there's things that Paul is still building into and telling him, hey, don't forget, um, don't forget your call. Don't forget the, the flag. The fl- my favorite one is, is in First Timothy 1, 6 through 7 says, remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of many hands for the spirit of God gave us is not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. And again, you see, so you see Paul continuing to build into him and we already referenced, you know, the second Timothy two, two, where, you know, Paul's reminding him again, like what I've poured into you is meant to be poured into others. Like this is not to stop with you. And obviously Timothy is doing that by establishing churches, but you know, Paul's saying, Hey, remember, continue to, to pour this into others who will pour into others and pour into others. Uh, and that, that, that spirit of multiplication is, is really, really clearly done through what Paul and Timothy establish. Yeah, I think, you know, J-Dub, that's a great um, couple of things to point out there. And it just, it really helps me remind myself that, you know, multiplication is, uh, it's a process, right? Like it's not this single event where all of a sudden um, we're going to be mentoring and all of a sudden our protege is going to go on to mentor somebody else and he's going to experience transformation, right? Like it's a process. It's just a process where you're just planting seeds, planting seeds, planting seeds you know what, some of those seeds may blossom, some of them may never blossom at all. 
Um, but that's not our job. Like our job is to plant the seeds. That's it. That's our job as mentors. And I think we've got to understand that our job, whether we're mentoring somebody, discipling somebody, another man, like we're, it's not our job to save that man's life, right? Like God does that. We just have to be willing to make that invitation to invest, to teach, uh, to look to challenge, right? To put them on the forefront of leadership and then allow them to go multiply. Like that's God's job to kind of walk that person through that process. Um, but it takes time and it certainly does take a commitment. It takes a passion. Um, for whatever reason we men, man, we lose focus. We, 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 we're not very good at that staying focused on one thing for very long, but that's what mentorship and discipleship is. It's a process. Um, and it takes consistency. It takes a, a lot of grit. Um, and it takes a willingness to say, you know what, I'm going to do this for another man. And if I'm on the other side of that table being mentored, it takes a willingness to be uncomfortable and to maybe do things that we've never done before. Uh, and we see that play out with Jesus's relationships with his disciples is that they are constantly kind of push this edge where to do things they've never done before um, and to go places they've never been. So, um, but I think the important part for me is that understanding that, you know what, I can do this in my family. I can do this in my community. I can do this in my church. And, and if I can just make an impact, if God can use me to make an impact on one man, um, we don't know who that one man will go on to impact or how many people that man will go on to impact. You look at the, look at the story of Billy Graham, right? Like walking down this country road and somebody picks him up and imagine if that man doesn't stop the vehicle, right? Imagine just for a moment. So I think that's going to be, we got to find encouragement in that is to look for ways to, um, you know, are, are we, are we driving past opportunities? Are we walking past opportunities every day that maybe God is giving us uh, to invest in the lives of others? So. Yeah, good stuff. That's so good, G. That's such a powerful example um, with Billy Graham. Uh, <clears throat> I think as we close out, G, what what is some practical advice to the man out there that's uh, that's listening, that's sitting in the in the church pew? He's he's going to church on Sunday, but he's not being mentored. He's not being discipled, and he's not going out there and multiplying and making disciples. Yeah, I'll speak to two of two sides of this. I'll speak to that guy that might not be, you know, mentored right now. He might not be, uh, he, he might not be in this relationship. He might not even know where to go find that. Um, you know what? I, I think you just got to be willing to get up out of that seat and you got to be willing to get out of your comfort zone and you got to be, you got to be willing to go to a man um, that you look at and he's got something that you don't, that is drawing you in, right? Like that's got your attention. If you don't have any men like that, then uh, all it takes is for you to visit your local church to say, listen, I'm, I'm looking for somebody. Is there somebody in your congregation? Um, is there somebody in our congregation that, that would be willing to invest one-to-one -one with me or in a micro group setting? I think it, it's going to be uncomfortable because a lot of guys, it's just really comfortable to sit idle. Um, and so don't sit idle if you're that guy. Uh, look for ways to engage, right? Um, but go to somebody that you would look at and say, yes, that man's got it together spiritually. He's, he's leading his family. Well, uh, he's leading his business. Well, whatever it may be. Uh, and then simply go to that man and ask for his time. That's, that's, that's really a, and, and understand that he might say no. Uh, and you gotta be willing to get back on the horse and keep riding. The other side is, um, for those that might not be in a place where you're mentoring, just understand that it is our duty and it is our responsibility um, don't wait around for your pastor to come to you and say, Hey, I've got a guy for you to mentor. Um, go make that invitation yourself. 
Uh, it can be your barber. It can be your neighbor. It can be anybody, your coworker. Uh, but just a willingness to make a bold invitation to say, yeah, there is a standard here. I'm willing to do this for a year. I'm willing to do this for two years. We're going to get together twice a month for an hour each time. Like you have to have the intentionality and the structure behind it. And then you've got to stick to the plan. Um, but I think it first comes to make an invitation and just even being willing to do this is, is the huge piece of it. So um, bottom line is we got to get off our butts and start doing it. Love it, man. Thank you guys um, just for being on the podcast today for, yeah, obviously kind of having to do this in an unconventional way here from our homes and on Zoom. Hopefully we'll be back in supplies soon filming the podcast. Um, thank you guys for listening to the Men of Iron podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. We would love if you would hit the subscribe button and Leave us a five-star review. You can find out more about the Men of Iron podcast at menofiron.org backslash podcast. Episode 50 in the books. Thanks, boys. Thanks for listening to the Men of Iron podcast. To get started in a one-to-one or microgroup mentorship, go to menofiron.org.